Welcome to Intrapod, a podcast by Intrapride where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In honor of Lesbian Visibility Week, we speak to prominent lesbian-identified voices who have made history and are continuing to empower and advance LGBTQIA rights around the world. Here's Judge Victoria Kolakowski, who became the first openly transgender trial court judge of general jurisdiction when she was elected in Alameda County, California in 2010. I'm Vicki Kolakowski, pronouns she, her, hers, I guess. I, 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 I always just throw out two of them. And I am right now a superior court judge in Alameda County, uh, California, which is just across the bay from San Francisco, a county with a million and a half people. And I was elected to this position in 2010 and reelected in 2016. And I'm going to be reelected this year in 2022 for another six year term. I knew that I was um, uh, that I was trans from the time that I was very, very small. Uh, I didn't have the terminology for it. I didn't, we didn't have the internet or, or the availability of information we do now. But I mean, this has been all my life and I struggle with that. And it was very, very complicated as I was growing up, I uh, because I didn't didn't have it wasn't until I became went to college that I was able to get information. Uh, started seeing uh, a therapist. I was getting ready to transition, and then I fell in love with a woman, which very much confused me because um, I did not know that I could. I know it sounds like crazy, but I didn't know I could be a lesbian. Um, or that I could be in a relationship with women. And uh, just a quick aside about that. So I just used the L word. Um, I've been, I had before that been involved with um, women and with men. And um, eventually I, I wound up marrying somebody who at that time was, a, you know, his person was assigned female at birth who came out as lesbian while we were married in law school. And I, um, and then I uh, transitioned in my last semester of law school uh, right after that. And it was, a, it was not an easy journey for me as, a, as an attorney, um, but it was also not an easy a, a journey for me in the, um, in the lesbian community because we, as, as my ex, they, as they came out, um, I came out behind, <laughs> behind them and it was sort of, uh, and we encountered remarkable hostility because of the fact that I was um, I was trans, which made I think us both double down on this idea of trying to to affirm our uh, lesbian identities. Even though the truth is, that I think it turns out eventually one could argue whether or not either of us are truly purely a lesbian. Uh, but I but I became I came out into the community and um, got, was very involved. I was a very, very much involved in politics before that. And so I was very much involved in politics as a member of the LGBT community. I moved to the, I moved here to the Bay area in 1990, immediately was elected president of the local um, LGBT democratic club in the East Bay, which then was called East Bay Lesbian Gay Democratic Club, or we called Ebel the Duck, um, which is now East Bay Stonewall Democrats. And so I worked uh, as an attorney there, you know, and as president of the group on things like I helped co-author the, the language for Berkeley, the city of Berkeley's domestic partner registration ordinance, uh, things like that. We worked on domestic partnership issues throughout the East Bay. 
um, the term domestic partnership was actually coined here in our county in the city of Berkeley, which is just north of where I am. And so that's how I got involved. And I, but I also got involved in, in, in politics, politics, uh, Democratic Party politics and electoral politics, uh, which I, by the way, have left behind because as a judge, I am neutral. I can't get involved in political discussions um, and can't endorse non-judicial candidates for office, can't do all that great political work. Um, and I have to be very careful about what I talk about publicly. And of course, that all happened to me just as transgender issues became front and center in, in, in our public debate. And so um, it's, been an it's been interesting as I've had to bite my tongue a lot over the past uh, 11 years. But I, and then, but I also got involved with doing things with the trans community. Um, I became co-chair of, a, of, a, of our local transgender legal group, actually, which was called Bat Law. Um, and eventually, which eventually merged in with our local LGBT Bar Association. I was eventually co-chair of the Transgender Law Center, and I became an, an administrative law judge um, for the state of California because I actually, I wanted to be involved in a position where I was dealing as a neutral, not as an advocate. And then I ran for the seat. I ran for, for judge and I lost and I ran again in 2010 and I was elected. Uh, the first trans, openly trans person elected to office actually in the state of California. And I mean, for to a, you know, government position, not, I mean, before that, like I had been elected to the County Democratic Central Committee, but I mean, elected to a governmental position, a constitutional officer. And then from there, I, I've been able to, despite what I just said, been able to use this as an opportunity, as a platform for educating people in the legal community and the judicial community about LGBT and especially transgender issues. And also I'm allowed to, capable of talking about my own story and my own journey. And so I've been doing a lot of that over the last uh, 10 years. I was curious to know what your thoughts were as far as like progress, the progress we've made in society and, you know, policies changing, laws changing, decisions. Was that in tandem with social acceptance of queer people? Or you see we're, we're just becoming more judges and attorneys and elected leaders and so forth and so on. Okay. Here's what I, here's what I will say. Um, I think that this, the answer is different if you're looking at, as you look at different letters of our, of, of our alphabet. I think <clears throat> that we've reached a point now where in many circles, actually, um, gay men are considered to be like just, I mean, where it's almost not considered to be an issue in many circles. And in political circles, it isn't necessarily. And so it's like people like, big deal, you're, you're a gay guy. Um, and to a lesser extent, that may be true with develop with um, with lesbian folk. With trans people, we're 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 now the we're now the target of the of the culture wars. And so the culture wars that were have been going on politically have largely moved on past the LG part of the and maybe B part of the alphabet. And to, so, to focus on, on the T part, on the trans part. For example, we've, we've had progress on things like marriage and things like that. Uh, 
not as, none of this is to suggest though that the increased uh, public acceptance of any of us in the United States um, is um, a, a, a given long-term. Things that we in the United States were have considered to be, I think, settled about the law over the course of the past 40, 50 years are suddenly now back on the table again. I mean, we're now talking seriously about overturning precedents that go back to the 1960s and 1970s. And so I don't want to make it sound like, like we're necessarily I think that people sometimes assume that progress always happens in a smooth flowing forward direction for us. And it's not always. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's it ebbs and flows. And so um, I think that there's been a lot of progress for our greater community. I think that one of the problems that we had have, have had with um, transgender issues is, is that fact that we we were relying upon uh, executive action by the federal government and to a lesser extent uh, on the courts and the public understanding of trans people had not caught up with um, with that yet. And so I think that, that it we sort of moved our rights were coming along faster than than I think the than the education and the understanding of the of the public was able to catch up and I think that that's been one of the reasons that there's been a backlash we need to do more about laying the groundwork in a sense to getting people to know trans people and to know about our experiences and our journeys and to understand how this relates to the things and the rights that we're requesting in some ways, just like people needed to get to know lesbian and gay folk, they needed to get to know trans folk as well. And uh, although one of the things that I, I also want to just throw out, because I've been sort of falling almost a little bit into this myself, is there's, I think that we tend to pick people in our community and put them into these different boxes, like you're a lesbian, you're gay, man, you're bisexual, you're transgender, as though there isn't... Um, and as if these were all encompassing and as if there weren't intersections of these things. And I think that a lot of people think of me as trans first and they don't think of me, for example, as being married to a woman or being in, in a lesbian relationship. They think trans. They look at my wife and think lesbian. They look at me and say trans, even though we're both in the same relationship, if, if you see what I mean. And so it's, uh, it's interesting that way. And part early on, I kind of rebelled against that because I did not um, publicly identify as much as trans, partly because the things I was doing, the work I was doing was on behalf of uh, lesbian and gay people on same-sex relationships, you know, domestic partnership, things like that. I wasn't doing work on behalf of trans issues. And so why why should that become the focus of my identity when the part of my identity that was working on and that was dealing with were the issues involving um, relationships. So just like I don't point out the fact I have blue eyes all the time, I do. It's something that I, that I, that I didn't really get into a lot in the beginning. And uh, it was only after I started doing work. Well, actually it wasn't until after I was outed, uh, but 
and as if I was not as, 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 as if I was in, but I, it became an issue when I ran for a for an elected office and um, one of the local newspaper, one of the local alternative papers made an issue out of it. And so, um, but I never talked about, I wasn't hiding. I just never talked about it because I, I, because I was in relationship with a woman. I, and I was working on relationship issues. So I talked and I was president of the lesbian gay democratic club. And, you know, that's what I was doing. Um, later as I, as my work expanded into other areas, um, I was, I've been, you know, extremely, extremely vocal about, um, being trans. Uh, now I don't think everybody has to be, but I am, uh, because somebody needs to be doing that kind of education that we were talking about to be a role model or, or visible example of somebody who's like me in the profession that I'm in, because keep in mind, you know, before I think that. I think that the, the the impression that people had, the stereotypes about trans people were that we were, in terms of the legal community, and certainly with regard to the criminal justice system, was that we were either victims of crimes or we were uh, sex workers. Um, many of us have been sex workers. I've not, but many have. And um, I wanted people to see that we are the full range of human experience and that we can be other things. Um, and that the people who deal with trans people in these other environments should see that there are people like me in a position like this. And so that's why I ran for the, for the position in the first place. And so for me being um, a visible role model and an example has been important. But part of that is because what we're trying, to, what I've been trying to do is to let other people know that trans people can be anything um, and that we can uh, be trusted with extremely important decisions. I think that one of the things that was, is really shot, uh, really, you know, I'm so proud, was proudest of was that when I originally, for example, when I originally applied to become an attorney, I was denied because they said it wasn't of sound mind uh, because I was trans. There's this notion that we are mental, mentally ill, that we're delusional, um, and people have question us and our reliability that way. The fact that a majority, a majority of the voters in my county, over 160,000 of them, uh, decided that I would be in a position where I can make decisions about things in involving their safety, their families, their businesses, uh, their relationships, their the rights of their children, of the of their families. That all these things, these kind of decisions that I could eventually wind up making, they trusted to to me. I think was a really positive and powerful statement, and I think it's one that that often gets missed. It was and is a big deal when people say. We trust a person who's trans to make these kind of decisions in our lives. Um, I love that. Last question for you, which is around the global connection. You mentioned you know, the reasons why you thought we have progressed or we've taken one step and two steps back. And also the culture wars, which I find there's some kind of a common thread in a lot of ways with certain countries, certain leaders when it comes to anti-LGBTQ campaigns, actions, policies. 
So if you could talk a little bit about the global connection, like what we could be doing and then, you know, why um, representation also matters and the diversity of identifying as more than one identity in our community, that it's absolutely acceptable to be any, all of it. I want to just, so um, I, I taught, I, I'm, I'm an adjunct professor at the University of San Francisco School of Law now. And I taught a class last summer on uh, religious free, the intersection of religious freedom and civil rights, including uh, LGBT rights. And this is an area that I, I have an article coming out um, in, one, in the American Bar Association's uh, human rights magazine about this issue of religious, uh, religious feelings and, and the trans community. I think that one of the things that's been defining as part of this, we talk, uh, I mentioned culture wars, but the truth is that, that what, we're, what we're encountering and struggling with here is a, is a problem that people have been struggling with in other countries as well, which is how do we, in a pluralistic society, how do we deal with the situations where one group of people have want to have the right to be treated with respect and dignity because of who they are, and another group of people have a moral belief that those people are shouldn't should not be engaged in that shouldn't be you know and married exist whatever um, and and what and what what do we do in a pluralistic uh, society? to uh, accommodate both things. And this is uh, a theme that I've been teaching. I talk about it a lot. I am a very frequent speaker on legal issues uh, to audiences, legal audiences here in the US. I've also for the past five years been uh, a speaker with the United States Department of State, with our State Department of Cultural Affairs uh, wings of the various embassies have invited me to speak to local audiences, either in person or remotely. And I've done that with audiences in, in India, in, um, in France, uh, in Brazil, and most recently in Israel last month. And so this is, I, I think that this is really important that we have these kind of dialogues where and we have these kind of conversations and it's allowed me to meet people around the world and to develop, I've learned a lot. I've developed a lot of relationships over the years of people in these various places. I wish I could be in, visiting them more in person because I think that that would be even better for developing that kind of relationship because we, I think that a lot of people are facing similar kind of issues and similar kind of existence in different settings and in different different cultures. And it's expressed differently, but the fundamental things that are there are the same. Um, the, the, the common humanity, the common desire to be accepted for who we are and who we love is the same uh, no matter where we are in the world, but how that's framed in society and how the, how people are taught to think about themselves in those sort of terms is different. And I've seen that since I first came out because I mean, I, I can tell you that the way that 
I mean, I don't want to sound overly academic, but the way that uh, being trans, being trans, for example, is socially constructed in uh, a poor, I mean, I came out in New Orleans in, in a place that was progressive in the midst of a very, very red state. Things are very different there than they were when I moved to the Bay Area. When I talk to people in India, the way that, that being viewed as being trans is viewed differently because they have this whole, there's a whole concept of third sex and things like that, that are not how we would think of it. And so it's being framed because of their history differently. And, and so it's, I think that it's important for us to have that kind of connection because one of the things that, that I think is important when I talked about, you know, just getting people to know us is we've, we talk about diversity I think, as though diversity was something that doesn't already exist everywhere with everyone. One of the messages that I often spoke about, spoken about over the years has been that in many ways, all of us are the same. And in many ways, all of us are different. And if we focus only on one, then we miss the other. And those differences are part of what makes, you know, life wonderful. And those similarities are what brings us together as a global humanity. When we focus entirely on one or entirely on the other, I think we miss out a lot on the full, um, the full beauty of, what, of, of the human experience. Thank you so much, Judge Kolakowski. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for our communities. And we are so grateful that you had the courage to step out into these very big roles that have changed our lives forever. Happy Lesbian Visibility Week! To hear more episodes from other prominent lesbian activists, you can head to enterpride.org. Also, you'll find more information about all of our programs, including the AGM, or the Annual General Members Meeting that's coming up this fall in Guadalajara. This is Interpod, a podcast by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community.